exactly how I'll approach it, but I, uh, Misty and I did see $8 a bottle salad dressing. Oh, wow. Cool. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, that that is, when you paid $8 for a little bottle of salad dressing, you, you see the effects of, of, of the economy, and, and all of it bleeds together. It all is connected. So, um, as, as Pastor said this morning, and I'll tell you, if you didn't think this morning's message was just flat great, you missed it. Yes, amen. Great message of truth to us. Great message of preparation. Uh, we need to be prepared uh, on uh, on all fronts, especially spiritually. Uh, we could be flying out of here at any time. That's the truth. That's the true thing. We could be flying out of here. You could be, well, I mean, you could be faced with circumstances, circumstantial. Um, and I know that, you know, when we talk about being prepared and talking about being ready, and it says, he said this morning, uh, that just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we're gonna have, not going to have to go through some stuff. And, you know, I'm looking forward to going home just like anyone else. But don't use that as your, you know, your escape go. You might have to go through some things. So I hope that you're grounded in the Lord, grounded in the Word, and, and know what God is going to do for us, regardless of whether salad dressing is $8 a bottle. God is going to take care of us. Amen. He'll provide for us. I didn't say it was going to be easy, yeah. and it may not be like what we're used to, but God still provides. He, he's a provider. So uh, with that said, we're finishing our lesson from this morning, our Sunday school lesson. Still a lot of good information here that I wanted to cover. Uh, I was glad I still had the opportunity to do it. And so if you've got your study books with you, we're on page four in uh, really beginning section two. I'm going to go ahead and just start at the top, and I'm going to read down because it's just a couple sentences in, and then I'll get to that to the point where we left off this morning, make a point, and then we can continue on from there. Uh, section 2, page 4, in your study guides. Matthew focused on Jesus' invitation to him and showed his response of immediate obedience, pointing out his career that of a tax collector just as he had identified the four other as fishermen now we talked about this morning we got four fishermen up to this point we got four fishermen and a tax collector which is kind of an odd dynamic uh, but that's that's what God does he puts together odd dynamics and he makes them work um, he's pretty he's put an odd dynamic together here right here now we don't really dig in we don't know necessarily past per se but all of you come from different backgrounds all of you have different personalities and different attitudes he's put together quite a, a quite an odd dynamic when you can take all of your backgrounds and put them together and we can still come here and we have peace and we worship the Lord and we can continue on in Christ that's that's the work of the Lord Amen. that's what we're supposed to be able to do um, I kind of think that that's kind of what he specializes in is, is odd dynamics. And, and I've, I'm not going to say that it's, it's been a, I don't, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Throughout my life, and I, th I don't think that you're any different, you have certain expectations about certain things. You think things should go a certain way. In a lot of the circumstances of my own personal life, it's the oddities that always stand out to me. The oddities, the things that I wasn't expecting that come along and God shows himself. It's like, how did you do that? Oddities, odd dynamics. Didn't see that one coming. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, how didn't, I didn't know God was going to do it like that. Well, yeah, that's what he does. 
And my expectation is always, listen, I'd appreciate it if you could just do it kind of predictable and down the pipe, please. <laughs> you know, I'd like to see it coming. I'd like to kind of know the same way you do it every single time. I'd appreciate it if we could just do it like that. But that's not the way it works. And the way he, let me just go back to the beginning here, and the way he put the disciples together, it was odd. I'm, I'm willing to say that he's still putting together odd things that work. Amen. He puts them together. Now, I don't know what he's doing in your life. Uh, chances are there's a bit of an oddity to it. Uh, you, you're in a circumstance that seems odd. That's what he specializes in is odd situations. Specializes in putting you in a predicament and allowing, or I should say, let me put it that way, allowing you to be put in a predicament that is totally out of place and odd. Makes you uncomfortable, right? But that's him. That's what he does. And that ultimately, that's why we lean on him the way that we do. Okay, so he said, when the four fishermen were accepted members of their Jewish community, Matthew was likely a resented outsider, as most tax collectors were. So we got four fishermen accepted by the community, tax collector not accepted. It'd be like if we had something comparable. So we've got a, I kill bugs, lace a mechanic. Uh, some of you have got some other careers. And it's like if we were to put a politician in. Democratic one at that. <laughs> I'm just having fun. I'm just having fun. So, so you you put it <laughs> push it in the envelope here. If you that'd be an odd dynamic, right? I mean, we'd be putting we'd be like, okay, this is kind of this is kind of different. So the the four fishermen predominantly accepted by the community, uh, tax collector not so much. Matthew was likely uh, a resented outsider as most tax collectors were. Furthermore, Matthew. Uh, may have been wealthier than most people, and in many cases, a tax collector's wealth came by exploiting the people, which is why I said politician. <laughs> the, there's there's a there's a, a strong connection there. I think that's that's good though, because I mean, you think about this guy joining the group. Think about him coming in in his position. I mean, just being in the midst of them, it'd be kind of hard. You know, you think ah, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. It doesn't say, the Bible does not specify. But if I'm leaning on the way people act, I can see these four guys over here. You know, they're whispering. Somebody look at this guy. I mean, we're, we're going to have to, we're going to follow Jesus. What did he invite him in here for? Why do we have to, why do we have to do this with him? This is an odd, this is an odd deal. This is, everybody's out of their comfort zone. But, the, what what we've we've learned, if you haven't learned it yourself yet, you will at some point, especially for you some of you younger ones. Um, at the point where things seem like they are not going to work is the point where God is stepping in, showing you how He's going to make it work. If you haven't figured out that, that's exactly the way He does it. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's some sort of predictable theme, but it is very much God to work in your life and be working in your life and you're you're moving in a very particular direction all of a sudden you get unhinged i call it unhinging you get unhinged from your plan and seemingly sent down another road it's like what in the world has happened every one of these things that we in, go through every one of these things are to bring glory back to the father all of it it's always to bring glory back to him if he allows you to have your plan all of the time, you will ultimately take credit for it at some point. 
Why, why would you say that? You think, why would you say that, Tanner? Because I would give glory to God. I think the same thing. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you said, God, if you, if you let me get a million dollars, I'll give you all the glory? But because I'm pretty sure nobody in here has had that happen to them, which should ultimately answer the unanimous que- that question with the unanimous, you couldn't do it. You probably wouldn't do it. And many people that have ever been put in that position didn't do it. Because we're hardwired a certain way. And so we get in a situation, unhinges us, we get pulled out of our comfort zone, we're put in some place that makes us extremely uncomfortable, and now we're not sure what's going to happen. Ultimately, remember, it's ultimately to bring him glory. If you're always in the know, you're always going to want to be in control. You can't always be in the know. You just can't. Uh, if, if, if the pastor and I have been talking about it, I do. I wish I could look down the road here. And I could tell you what's going to happen next month, next year. I wished I could, but this is not the way this works. And it's made everybody a bit uncomfortable. It's, I don't know if you've been, you watch the markets. It's made the markets uncomfortable. Everybody's uncomfortable right now because predictability is out the window. But that's exactly the way it needs to be right now. Because everybody needs to start to look in another direction. You see God pulling this thing around. With these events, he's like, hey, look at me. Hey, all, the, all of you that forgot me, all of you that have had left me out, you know, long ago, hey, don't forget me. This thing's coming around. And I'll tell you, the fact that we're even still here speaks of his mercy. Amen. The fact that we're just, we're still here speaks of his mercy. He's lived, he has given, we don't have no excuse, he's given us tons of time to prepare and to be ready for this. I'm not going to read preach that one because that was great this morning but let's keep moving so he was a bit wealthy right so it says however society's attitudes of that day did not affect jesus's view of his disciples his desire to transform people is the same for everyone jesus was no more and no less valuable uh matthew was no uh was no more and no less valuable to jesus than the first four disciples matthew's abandonment of everything to follow jesus speaks of a powerful message well what kind of what can you tell immediately from that well, remember he was a tax collector, so he was he was kind of uh, he was in the upper echelons of society as far as um, you know in the know. He was in that economic circle, you know. He was he was there, and the uh, the fact that he was willing to abandon that, the wealth, he just left it all and followed the Lord. That that speaks volumes about what he desired to know about Christ, what he wanted to actually, what the ultimate ending was. Now, I know that we're not going to, it doesn't work the same way today. I mean, I understand that you're not going to abandon your job per se, but would you? Think about it. I know it does, it's not going to work out exactly like that, but would you? And for a, for a lack of a better way of saying it, can you do it in your heart? Can you abandon your job and your credentials? Maybe your dreams, your ideas of the future. Can you abandon that in your heart for the sake of the gospel? It might be easier said than done. And I I often don't think that we really are challenged ourselves with that because most of the time we're protected with the scenery of only being able to say it within a church setting. Pastor, you said it this morning. It was good. He's like, you know, it's, we don't really understand it fully because we're not, we haven't been challenged with it. 
Everything's comfortable and it's easy. And it's easy to present the scenario when you know you're going to walk out of here and go right back to it again. But it's different. Mm. It's different if you really start to consider, you really start to think about it and challenge yourself. Could I abandon it? Could I leave it all? Conditions as is, could I leave it all if I was asked to? Because I think that's, that's going to reveal a heart condition. That's going to reveal what you really feel and how you feel about the work of the Lord. I mean, none, not one of you are here by your own means. I mean, God allowed everyone. He got you, every one of you here by purpose and plan. And we have so much to be grateful for. Amen. I mean, just an enormous amount <laughs> to be grateful for. I mean, some of you have shared your testimony. Some of you shouldn't even survived Amen. some of the stuff you've been through. But yet here you are, a product of the Lord. And there should be no reason why we should not be recklessly, in our hearts, recklessly abandoning everything that we can to get as close to him as possible. I mean, in, in, in comparison, this thing's going to last about, I don't know, I mean, if it goes on and you live an entire, your entire life, I mean, what do you do to make it? 85 if you're just really good and fortunate? But then there's what? Then there's this eternity after that. You're going to spend an eternity somewhere. And so think about that. Think about our attachments here, as Pastor was saying this morning. And, and is that really, man, is it really worth it? It's, it's, it's worth, I think it's worth abandoning. <laughs> it's worth abandoning. So, so he said, um, social position, personal uh, resources, and long-term ambition cannot compare with the eternal significance of obeying Christ's call. Absolutely. When Christ left, or well, I'm sorry, I keep saying Christ there, sorry. When Matthew left his tax collecting table to follow Jesus, he undertook his first active ministry. Matthew was the host, but all the disciples were clearly involved since they were collectively approached by the Pharisees. So what had happened was, is, and, and I don't even know if the scriptures actually cover it verbatim, uh, but Matthew was hosting a, a dinner, and the Pharisees came, and they said, why does Jesus eat with... Uh, tax collectors and sinners you know I mean they was downing on them and and basically what was said was was that you know Jesus said hey I came for the sick I didn't come for the well I mean he was putting him in their place and so he he said he said a tone really from that moment he said a tone as to how you and I are are to perceive what we're here for really was I mean he set a tone for it right there um he said, because if, if, if Jesus is still, I mean, he's the head of the church, right? Amen. So, so the mission statement is still the same. Mission statement, still the same. We're here for the sick. We're not here for the well. I think it was Stacy Marquis that had the quote from last week that said, I, I don't remember exactly how he said it, we're, we're not supposed to be a, a retirement home for the righteous. <laughs> I may be putting that wrong, but he said it's something like that, uh, or a funeral home for the righteous, or something like that. But anyway, it was it was it was well said. But I mean, don't aren't you and I all guilty to some degree of allowing that to take place? A bit comfortable with being where we're at. I mean, every one of you that are here tonight, you're familiar faces, and obviously, we're comfortable with familiar faces. I'm comfortable with you. You're comfortable with me. I know you. I've known some of you a long time. Um, we're pretty comfortable with each other. And we're, by design, a bit territorial. Whether you want to believe that or not, or accept it or not, we're all a bit territorial. You get somebody in your circle or your spot 
were automatically a bit defensive. Did they fit with us? You know, did they did they have the right attitude? No, oh, oh, no, they're not. And we kind of put the, eh, we got the red X on them. You know, no, I don't accept them. But what is being taught here is that there was this odd dynamic to the success of the disciples. There was an odd dynamic here at this dinner that Matthew was hosting. And he was telling, and Jesus was telling me, he said, look, let me make something clear. I'm not here for the well. I'm here for the sick. And, I'm, and I'm, I don't know what the look on their faces were, but I, it was like, I think I'm going to go back on the line. <laughs> that sets everything in place. And brings us back to the mission statement. What is it that we're here to do? We are here for the sick. That's where in the, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but that's what we're in the business of doing, helping people who need help. That's what we do, helping people who need help. And if you ever think it's about anything other than that, then we're mixed up. We've lost out somewhere. It is about helping the ones who need the help. It's about getting the lost saved. It's about preaching the gospel. It's about healing the sick. It's about uh, feeding the poor. It's all of these things. All of them. So he he's, drops this statement. And he says, this event shows how the church can minister. First, ministry is not limited to recognized leaders. Someone tell me what that means. It says, ministry is not limited to recognized leaders. What does that mean? Okay. Not left up to the preacher. Not left up to the preacher? That's what I was going to say. It's, it's for every believer. Yes. No matter your status. Okay. Like we were talking about last week, so I guess we can all agree that there's work to be done. And that takes that takes everybody involved in ministry. Whatever your ministry is. Now, don't, don't get mixed up and think that all ministry is just a position in the church because it's not. I mean, if that was the case, I mean, there's only so many spots that can be filled, right? Right. There, there's, there has to be ministry going on in your life, but also, I, I look at ministry, this is just me, and I've thought long and hard about these things. Um, it's no different than, you've heard me talk about this before, about praise and prayer. If you're praying and praising on the outside of church, when you come into church, it'll come here. It's just byproduct of stuff. It's the same way with ministry. If you are involved in ministry out here, you will automatically bring it here. And you'll want to be involved in something going on here. Why? Why is that the case? Because that's just by default. It just happens. I want to, well, what, do you, what do you want me to do? And so it's, you go from one place right to the other. I've been very adamant about that because I've had to learn those hard lessons in my own life. Trying to separate those, you can't do it. You cannot do it. If you're motivated out there, you'll come in and you'll bring the motivation here. If you're not motivated out there, you'll bring your non-motivation in here. <laughs> it's true. And I think that the best thing that we can do is recognize that for what it is. Because that's, as, as I went out this morning and I kind of I hit passion on the stomach, I said, hey, that was real this morning. That's real. Amen. And, and these day and time that we're living in, we need to get a hold of real. It's real. So ministry, that's real stuff. Second, okay, second is ministry takes place within relationship such as a shared meal. Now, somebody helped me define that. said, second, ministry takes place within a relationship. Let's put it like that. A relationship such as a shared meal. Somebody help break that down. What's that, what's that mean? What are they talking about? What's that? Fellowship. 
Mm-hmm. So, so there's more to it than just inviting somebody to church. Fellowship, right? Well, the dynamic action to the word instead of just the word. Yeah. Be a doer of the word. Be, all right, right. I was just about to quote that. Yeah. Be 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 a doer of what you have learned. The dynamic, the dynamic of fellowship, the dynamic of being able to come together. Uh, and I, uh, we had said this was some sort of a theme going on in here, talking for some reason. It had kept coming up about church attendance. It's, if you haven't noticed in these lessons, it's still in front of us, still being taught, still being said, the value of being together. What I like about these lessons, though, and what Pastor has said and what the Holy Spirit has inspired is the Holy Spirit is not coming out and saying church. He's saying fellowship. He's saying being together. He's saying coming together. Because too, too, too often we're caught up in that word church. And then immediately loses its value. But there's something valuable about people coming together. Amen. There's something valuable about that. So that's, that's, that's the purpose there. Okay, so that was... Uh, first ministry is not limited to recognized leaders. Um, uh, second ministry takes place within a relationship, such as a shared meal. Third ministry done for the gathered crowd was done with an understanding of their spiritual need. Right. So not just that I'm doing something, I recognize that they need something. Uh-huh. Not not just a thing. It's someone. Uh-huh. All with the motivation. Really, the motivation. That we don't want to see people go to hell. We do not want to see people go to hell. And I think the thing that scares me the most, and I talk about a a reverencing fear of the Lord, is that somehow I will be held accountable for not telling them. That bothers me. That really does bother me. That bothers me that I wouldn't tell you the truth. It bothers me that I wouldn't say it in a way that it needs to be said where it's effective and it hits you where you're walking out of here. You might be upset with me, but you're under conviction. That's fine. As long as I say the right thing and say it like it needs to be said. If I'm out here and I miss an opportunity, that's on me. It bothers me to think that I will be held accountable for the souls that I passed up. And I think it should bother every one of us. Because if it's not bothering you, then I think that we're confused about what we're here for. Yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I, I put a little bit more of what Stacy said. Yeah. You know, when you you get down and you and you, you uh, repent and you be saved and fill with the Spirit or mm-hmm. or receive what God's got for you, you know. I, I remember when I got saved, I, I felt like I was in a bubble for about. Mm-hmm. 40, 50 days, just, just right. I mean, nothing got to me, nothing bothered me. Bulletproof. Amen. <laughs> and, and, yeah, but uh, when you get saved, it's like he said, you, you don't retire when you get saved. You just now start to work. Right, that's you, it. You just now got the job. Yeah, you just now got the <laughs> job, so you right. Get after it. Exactly, that's a good point. Yeah, it ain't time for retirement. We're moving forward. All right, so he said the, the festivities never overshadowed Jesus's a redemptive purpose. Jesus allowed his disciples to be active until the Pharisees approached them rather than him. In response, he used the illustration of a physician treating those who were ill to show that his purpose was to bring spiritual healing 
rather than mere material provision. Now, we all know, obviously, he can provide materially. We understand that. Um, that was also said this morning. We, all, we, we know he can do that. We know he's a, he's a material provider. Um, and that's also, and if you, you know, you're catching the, the, uh, the example here, he uses ma- the material needs of others to get in. That's why our country is so big on evangelism in other countries where we're going out and feeding them. I mean, Micah has come and he's, give us, he's shown us pictures. He goes into these places and they dig water wells. You think, what? You know, why that? Because it's in need. These people don't have clean water. So something we're not familiar with here. You might have hard water, <laughs> but that's far from being in a state of not being drinkable. These people don't have drinkable water, so what, is, what does he do? Ministry says, let's find a need and let's meet it. So they go out, and they dig a well, and they get them fresh water, and what happens? Revival breaks out. They start spreading the word. Hey, can, since you're getting some of this clean water that we brought, would you like to hear the gospel? And they get to hear something that they had never heard before. This is meeting people on their level, meeting people in their place. And so for us, it goes back to meeting the need that's at hand. So that question has to be is, what's the need? Of the people that you are coming across, the people that God is putting in front of you, what's the need? What are they needing? Are they needing maybe your time? Maybe it's conversation? I mean, that's like, no way, you know? You could say, you say, Lord, you could have asked me for anything but that. <laughs> but maybe, right? So what's the need? You got to ask that question. What is the need? And where there is a need, I'm going to meet that need, and that's how I'm going to witness. That's what Jesus did. When the, when they were hungry, didn't he not feed them? He not feed the thousands? In one circumstance, he said uh, he had compassion on them because they fainted. They were, they were tired. They were exhausted. It's like, we're going to feed you. So that's, that means something to meet people where they're at. Not just say, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you. I'd like to see you come to church. There's, there's more to it than that. We're talking about ministry. Ministry. Okay. Like those first disciples, we too must lovingly serve others. Meeting tangible needs will often multiply our potential for meeting spiritual needs. That right there, if you could write that down, write that down. If you've got an opportunity to write it down, write it down. Meeting tangible needs will often multiply our potential for meeting spiritual needs. It's real ministry, what it looks like, too. Like it said here, real ministry is tangible stuff. It's, it's not this, let me lay hands on you and cast the demon out of you. That's... I don't know how to explain this, but yes, that happens. But 99% of the time, you don't even get there without first approaching the people with tangibility. I mean, I know I want to pray for people too. I want to help them spiritually, right? But sometimes we skip the first step and we miss the obvious one, the tangible part. The part that, the part that says that somebody needs a friend. Tangible. I need somebody to talk to. Now, I just want to cast a demon out of you, and then you leave me alone. <laughs> you see what I mean? I mean, it's like we skip the first step and go straight to the second one, 
and said, let me just get this thing taken care of so I can get my time back and go, go on doing with what I was doing. We're missing the whole point of ministry. We're missing it completely. It's developing relationships with people. Developing. And some of us, I mean, our personalities, you know, we go back to talking about that odd dynamic. Some of us, when we think about just you think about that, developing personality. Some of us, it just scares us. <laughs> the idea that we would have to develop more than three relationships. I don't know how many people God has called to you in your circle, but I truly believe whatever circle you have in your life, you are responsible for. Amen. You're responsible for that circle. I don't know where God has put you or how he's called you, but I, I can guarantee you that wherever God has placed you, you're responsible for the people around you. You're responsible to make an impact in their life. I, I would even say at times you're even responsible to upset them. You're responsible. You're responsible to challenge their beliefs. And if they're, and if they're always, if, if they cannot see in you, if they cannot see that there's something going on, I don't believe we're getting done the thing that needs to be done. I think when you come around, they need they just say, oh, he's here. She's here. Can't say that no more. Now, you think that might be negative. You think, man, I wish they wouldn't say that every time I come around. But you don't realize that you have impacted them so much that they find the need to keep their mouths shut or even in some cases open them in, intentionally to upset you. You have made an impact. You've changed them completely. And I think it should be, I, I, don't, I don't know how it looks in the spirit realm, but there's, there's a medal for you somewhere. There's a reward because you have challenged that. So that's ministry. I'm talking about ministry. That's powerful stuff. Okay. Um, meeting those tangible needs. Let's go to section three. Mark began his gospel focusing on Jesus' personal interactions with his first disciples, with specific people he healed, and with the community of Capernaum, where he taught in the synagogue. Then in chapter 3, Mark described Jesus' growing reputation and reported that an enormous crowd came to hear him. Imagine the disciples' feelings at seeing the thousands of people clamoring to hear Jesus to be uh, near him and to have their needs met. In the midst of this great crowd, Jesus gave the disciples a very simple task, launch a boat from shore, giving him a platform from which to speak. Now, so what he did was he launched the boat out, and then he stood on the boat because there were so many people. The shoreline was packed. So he pushed out in the boat, stood in the boat, and spoke to them from there. So here's the example. This is good, too, though. So Jesus had already healed many and delivered many from demonic possession. His disciples watched him perform miracle after miracle, but his only request was for them to acquire a boat. This is great. This is great. Do you know why? Because we don't want to be the ones to go get the boat. Yeah. We want to be the ones to cast the demon out. That's the job we want. We want the glamorous job. We want the cool job. We want the job that gets the attention and the notoriety. We want the job that brings the that's got the the lift and the pump. Especially in this society. I mean, it's like that's that's what they I see those commercials. Man, and it, it's I think Man, I hope nobody believes that mess. They talk about it. It's like, go for your dreams. You know, be, be this. I'm like, do you? I mean, the reality of the situation is, is that, I mean, you haven't even asked what the dream is yet. And you're just, just go get it. That's unrealistic, okay? I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to dampen anybody and what you want for the future, but that's not realistic. Especially when you submit yourself to the Lord 
You never know where that's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just no telling. Your dreams change. Your dreams will change. They indeed will. And so he tells him, he's like, yeah, look. I don't know how it looked, but it's like, hey, look, I don't need any help. Just Would you go and just go get the boat? Just go get the boat. Be responsible for getting the boat. And so that was their job. That was what they were supposed to go do at that moment in time. Now, as time went on, he gave them authority, remember? But you got to kind of follow the ministry, though. You see how he was training them, and it eventually grew into being mature disciples of him, discipleship. And then when he was gone and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what happened? The book of Acts happened, which was the huge spread of the gospel of that time. Huge revivals breaking out everywhere. From what? From 12 guys who were paying attention. And getting the boat when they were supposed to, doing the small stuff, doing the things that didn't... I, I don't know. I mean, I think about these guys coming from their backgrounds and tax collector. All right, let's use him for an example. You know, he's he's out there, and he's like, go get the boat, Matthew. I'm thinking, man, I'm more important than going and getting the boat. Come on. Right? But God says, this is what I need you to do. We're supposed to be faithful over the thing in the area that he's put us in. And then where it goes from there, there's no telling. But there has to be faithfulness and discipleship within that Amen. time. Well, uh, Jesus knew that they was disciples there, that their family had boats. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't have been hard for them to go get one. <laughs> you know, it's like we need a boat for Jesus to speak from. Because we all know that the water carries your voice. Mm -hmm. When you get out there, because you can hear somebody for a long ways out in that water mm -hmm. uh, talking or from the bank. Yeah. You can hear them talking. Absolutely. So, you know, there's there's like a rhyme and a reason, obviously, why Jesus does what he does. And so there's the same, it's the same way in our own lives. There's a, there's a reason why he's asked us to do the things that we're to do. All right, so look at this. So as we can trust Jesus to nurture us as well when he calls us to service. The universal key to success and continued growth is continuing to obey the words and teachings of our Savior. That is for continued growth. That means that we get in a habit of doing what we're told to do in the Spirit. That's um, okay, There's a couple different ways to, to put this, and I'll, I want to put it in a couple different categories. Number one is the spoken word of God. That's the preached word of the Lord. That's what you hear when you come to church. You hear the spoken word of God, and you get inspired, and you get instruction, and you're like, that's for me. Right? Anybody, raise your hand if you've been inspired lately. You hear a word, you're like, that's instruction for me. Yeah. Right there. Okay. So that's one way, and, and, and one of the most popular ways of doing it. This is why, once again, this is why you got to be here. Amen. If you're not here... Then you do, that that's completely phased out of of your life, completely phased out. And I, I I do not I think that listening to somebody is great, it's fantastic, as long as you are a part of the body. But listening to somebody is not you being a part of a body. All right, it's not. I don't care what you say. You cannot be a part of a body over over the radio waves. That's a bonus. That's the way I look at it. It's a bonus. I guess a bonus teaching today. I get to listen to Perry Stone. I like Perry Stone, by the way. Um, and there's only like one other one that I really attach myself to. But all of my word 
that I get inspired with comes from here. That's where I get it from. It comes from here. Holy Spirit inspires pastor. Pastor gives the word, and you get it. And then you take it, and you use it. That's the way that works. And so, so if, if you start looking at it outside of those lines, and you start thinking, you know what, I'm not going to go. Think about the gaps that are missing now. Think about what you're not getting. You could very well be starving to death spiritually. Sony, were you going to say something about it? No, I was just afraid you go. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Jesus is not going to ask you to do something you can't do. Mm-hmm. He's not going he's gonna to put, put something on you that you cannot do. Right. Without him. And he's going <laughs> to let you know uh, what he wants you to do if you'll, if you'll listen to him. Yep. Uh, I didn't know God would speak to me personally. Mm-hmm. You know, he would didn't audibly, but he did speak to my mind. Mm-hmm. When I asked him, when I told him, I said, I want to know God. Why? I didn't get healed. When I prayed. Mm-hmm. And he told me. And I done it, and I was healed. That right. same hour. Yeah. So you 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 know kind of what you're saying there too, Jim. You think about um, well, go ahead, Pastor. I'll I'll get you and then I'll explain. I that. Thinking, you know, the went guy in a boat, but he walked on the water later. He could have walked on the water there. Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, he could have. Man to help him have a place to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he could have. That's a, that's a good point too. Okay, let me read this. Let me let me keep moving. Um, Jesus' selection of the twelve. From among the growing crowd of people who had been following him may appear as if Jesus were were saying, I've decided to stick with you dozen over here, and the rest of you can go home. But discipleship is about close relationships and multiplication. That is a good one. Discipleship is about close relationships and multiplication. Well, let's just take that and and flip it. And let's let's make it maybe what we would like it to mean. Would they say, well, I would like discipleship to be isolation. And singularity, this is not going to go anywhere quick, is it? Mm-mm. Isolation, singularity, meaning meaning, I'm just going to do this one thing. I ain't doing nothing else. I, I, I think that's almost a plague when you, like, at the like working in the warehouse for 19 years, that was, that was like the plague. People would always say that. I'm only doing this one thing, and I ain't doing nothing else. And that was always the hardest people to deal with because you can never get anything done. It's like, you know, I've been hired to work for you. Whatever you want me to do is what I'm going to have to go do. But people, they get attached to that one thing. And so if you've got a singularity mindset where you're like, look, I'm going to come in. This is my seat right here. I greet people. That's my job. That's all I'm ever going to do. We're not going anywhere quick. We're not. you got to be flexible. you got to be pliable. you got to be willing to be uncomfortable. And I agree, Jim. He will not allow, he won't he won't put you in a situation that you can't do, but he will definitely put you in a situation where you have to have him. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the only thing you can do is trust in him to get you through it. So um, I think that's that's important. All right, so um, uh, discipleship is relationships and multiplication. Jesus would invest himself in the twelve so they can invest in others. Man. So you, he they could invest in others. So they could take that and put it into other people, um, which going back to go to uh, uh, Jesus being the head of the church, the mission statement hasn't changed. So he invests himself in you still today. He's investing himself in you. 
you're not the same person. We all agreed on that already. We know you're not. You're growing to be more like who? Christ. Him. We're getting better at this thing every day. We're getting better, becoming more like him. I want to be found and caught in that mode. That's why I want, how I want to be caught. When, when, when my life is done, I take my last breath, whether it's me going down in battle or whether it's from old age or whatever it is, rapture. When I'm found, I want to be found in that mode. I'm doing whatever it takes to be with you. I'm doing whatever it takes to do what you call me to do. I'll be flexible. Whatever you need me to do, Lord, I'm going to do it. That's a good place to be found, I believe. Okay, so uh, there were unnamed, dedicated disciples beyond the 12 who remained with Jesus, though in the background. Are you okay with operating in the background? You okay with that? Amen. All right, now I'm fixing to flip it on you. You ready? Uh Come on. Now, are you okay with not being in the background? (laughs) I'm a spotlight. Possibly the spotlight or taking on responsibility as a leader. Maybe taking on something that you've never taken on before. Something that would call you out of your comfort zone. Not necessarily. People always think that, you know, you know obviously, you know, pastor, he's, he's the pastor of this church. He's up in front of you. Um, I've had the honor and the privilege of, of being able to teach in this church. But this, just because you don't fill the spot here doesn't mean that you're not a leader. This is not the only leadership position in the church. If that's the case, then we're in trouble. And so we have to be okay. I mean, it's you know, as far as humility is concerned, we have to be okay with being in the background. As a matter of fact, that needs to be our first initial response is, hey, I'm going to take the back. I'm going to take the back. I'm going to humble myself, put myself down. I'm going to go to the back. And if the Lord so chooses, and he grabs you by the arm and said, uh, young lady, young man, I need you up here, please. That's when you move. That's why I asked you, are you okay with being at the front? Because he might decide to move you. You better be ready. He might decide. He might say, hey, it's time to go. I, I need you to teach. I need some teachers. I need some, I need some people to get up on stage. I need some preachers. Are we going to be okay with that? We're going to be moving mm-hmm. to the front. But he'll teach you first. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He'll teach you what he mm-hmm. wants you to do before he puts you in absolutely. a position to do it. I'm almost done here. Let's finish up. It says the twelve would become living illustrations of how Jesus can be, uh, Jesus can use obedient servants to grow His church and transform fallen humanity. They were not only to proclaim the good news, but they were to minister with spiritual authority. Authority. Everybody say authority. 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 Very important. Spiritual authority. How far they had come from merely launching a boat from shore. So and I went, and of course they crunched a lot of stuff in this into a uh, into just explaining the the overall uh, message. But look at look at the title of the lesson this morning, and it's um, let me get the exact words: the calling of discipleship. And that's what this lesson has been about: is being okay with being discipled. And we started that from the very beginning this morning was being okay with being discipled. I got, I'm okay with being involved in discipleship. I'm okay with being taught. That's, what we have, that's the position we have to be. We should never be in a position where we think we're the teacher and nobody's going to teach me anything. I already know, you know, we can't be there. 
we have to be okay with being in discipleship, but then you have to be okay with discipleship for other people. You have to be okay with, with checking on somebody. I'm not talking about the kind of leadership where, you know, I'm like, Sean, you just listen to me, buddy, and I'll help you, and I'll lead you down the right path. That's not the kind of discipleship. As a matter of fact, that's not even the right way to go about doing it. It's me checking on Sean. You checking on someone else. You calling them. You you uh, minister to them. And not, not trying to push a narrative, but to simply encourage and tell them, hey, you're doing good. Proud of you. Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've told that to people before. I've said, hey, I'm really proud of you. You're doing a really good job. It's like, I've been awful this week. I made so many mistakes. Did you see me at the altar this morning? It's like, yeah, that, that's, but that's perfect. That's, exa- that's exactly where you and I need to be. We need to be in this place where we're broken and we're in disciple. That's discipleship, right? Where we're learning. We're learning from the Spirit. He's teaching us. And so I hope that you enjoyed this lesson uh, from this morning and then obviously bleeding into tonight. Um, I think there's a lot more to talk about. I think set, uh, next week is the cost of discipleship. Man, that's going to be good. Yeah, that one. That's a good one. So we're just really beginning this, uh, this trek through discipleship. But think about some of the things that we talked about uh, this morning and tonight. And think about how that's going to apply to your life and how that's going to further it. How that's going to, how that's going to help you grow. I, I know that things are crazy right now, as Pastor said. And um, we don't know what tomorrow holds we don't really know what's gonna what's gonna take place but as far as as i can tell as long as i'm here i've got to keep doing spiritual things spiritual matters need to be taken care of there's still people that need set free there's still people that need prayer how many of you in here need prayer so there's still there's still a whole host of people that i need to spend time in prayer for and your circles don't forget don't forget your circle. There's people that God has put in front of you for you to care for, to be responsible for. Love them. Encourage them. Amen. Lift them up. Don't be afraid to tell them the truth. Would y'all stand tonight and we'll wrap this up. Pastor, did you have any announcements or anything before we dismiss tonight? Anything we need to put out there? I don't think so. Misty, anything? Waylon, second Saturday. That's five next o'clock. next Saturday, five o'clock. Okay, what's the actual date on that so I can just say it? The twelfth. Okay. So, okay, sending snacks with the youth. <laughs> All right. Yes. I talked to my niece right before we come and she had a knee replacement Tuesday and mm-hmm. they were supposed to send her um, to rehab by Thursday that didn't happen then they told her they would get her there by Friday the hospital she's in she says and this, she's been in a, working in a hospital for like 20 something years mm-hmm. she said it was they wouldn't answer her call line she's having to get up by herself on that knee so she's wanting out of there. And she said, how, she went to church to pray for her that okay. her knee will heal and then she absolutely. can get moved tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. What is her name? Doris. Doris. She's been good. here. She played piano one day. She came okay. up here from Texas. Let's remember Doris tonight as we're dismissing. Any others? Doris. Before we dismiss. The guest in Australia. My dad. Your dad, absolutely. 
The Gastonal family. Gastonal family. Yes, you guys, I'm sure all of you are aware of that. Okay. John? Still my family. Your situation. Yeah. All right. Just remember this. Me, my hand, I go tomorrow to see what they need. Okay. Just remember this. Very good. Any others? They were calling them out. You might as well put it out there. Yeah, pray for me. Pray for Jim. They're still looking at that specimen. Okay. Pray for my back. My ribs keep popping out. It's enormously uncomfortable, as you can imagine. Just remember uh, uh, Jesse's back. Just remember Misty's back and her hips. Everything from Misty from neck down to L3 is Jesus' prayer. We need to really pray for her. It's bothering her a lot. Someone else. My hips. Hips. Have his back and just back. their heart and mind. Okay. We got a lot of backs. You think there's something in that? Yeah. I think there is. Anyone else? Go ahead. I, I think I heard some other ones. My shoulders. Okay. All right. If you need something, and I know you've called these out, but for the for you other ones that may not want to call that out, that's perfectly fine. If you need a touch in your body, just raise your hand. Real simple. Father, we thank you for tonight. Father, you see Doris. Lord, you see every one of these names that have been called out, these situations, this, this knee problem she's having, Lord God. God, each one of these body problems, Father God, the backs, Father God, the necks, Lord God, uh, the, the, the situations of our loved ones, Lord God, dealing with physical pain, Lord. Father, I just pray a touch and anointing. Father, right now, from head to toe, we speak healing in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to heal everybody. Lord, every body that is dealing with pain, Lord, I pray for healing and I pray for a touch. I pray for relief. Lord, we just come against inflammation in Jesus' name. We come against these, these ribs that have been popping out, Lord God, these lower backs that keep coming out, Lord. Father, we just come against this in Jesus' name. I ask you to fix these knees, fix these ribs and these backs, Lord God. Fix our bodies, Father God. We ask this in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just pray a touch, God, on every unspoken body request, Lord God, and every unspoken request, Father God, that by a sign of hand, Lord God. I pray a touch and an anointing upon each one of them, Lord. We look forward, Father God, to your blessings Wednesday, Lord. Help us to be a witness for the kingdom. Yeah. Now until then, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.